All righty. Well, guys, last week we started our brand new series, and it is our Family Sunday series. It is one of my favorite times of the year because all the kids from upstairs, they come downstairs and they join us in the sanctuary, right? Um, which is just another fancy word for one big classroom. Um, but you guys are here with us, and I love that when you guys come down here because it makes us old people feel young because you're all sitting around us, and uh, we just have a great time. So adults right now, why don't we give our kids a big round of applause for being with us. Well, last week's sermon started everything off by setting the stage for our story, and it was a wonderful sermon, and today we're going to carry on right where it left off, but to begin with, we got to start with our very first quiz of the summer, and this is where you get candy if you get the question right, this is where I get to throw candy at you, which is awesome, and uh, we're going to start with this section over here, it's a really, really tough question here. What is the name of the guy who preached last week's sermon? Here are your possible answers. Put them up. Winston Churchill, P.F. Chang, Paul Jeffries, or Chancho McWilliams? C, what is that? Paul Jeffries, good job. There, good job, honey. Okay. Number two, in what country does this story take place? Kids in this section, raise your hand. What country does this story take place? Don't ask your dad. You, can sh you're gonna, you have four choices. You have 25% chance. Pick one. Just pick one. What'd you say? Egypt. Good job. That was a great guess. Awesome. Okay, this section right here. Uh, what kind of babies did Pharaoh want killed? It's kind of a dark question. <laughs> All right. What'd you... Baby boys, good job, honey. Whoop, you just knocked that one right over to your sister who probably won't give it back. There you go. Okay, this section over here, kids. What name did the baby's parents give him when he was born? Raise your hand. We don't know. Hey, very good job, buddy. We don't know. That's right. And he didn't even get to look at the questions. All right, this is open to everybody. Uh, we can't see what God sees, therefore we often don't know the bigger what that is going on. Picture. Picture. i got to do some harder ones next week. These are a little too simple. Oh, story. That's right. It wasn't picture. Story. Got it all wrong. All right. Forgot about that. Picture story. All right, I'm going to throw some candy at you. Guys ready? Hey, watch me. Don't be looking anywhere else because you're going to get knocked out. Guys ready? Way in the back. Here we go. You guys, way in the front here. Good job. All right, way in the back, this section. Everybody watching? Went a little high on that one. There you go. Okay, this section here. I get to use this whole bag on you guys. You ready? Heads up. Oh, good try. Guys, here, here. Oop, sorry, Graham. Here you go. Jude. Over here. In your mouth, Josh? Okay. Hey, we did it. Awesome. All right, guys, here we go. Way in the back. You guys ready? The Reese's Pieces. Everybody loves those. Over here. Sorry, that one kind of just came out. Ready, guys? One more handful. Here we go. Ready? Here we go, guys. Way in the back. I see hands. This, these are going to come flying hard, so you got to be ready. One year I was throwing candy. 
and this lady was holding her newborn baby, and I whipped it. So she went to protect the baby, and it hit right off her forehead. <laughs> it's not funny, guys. It's not funny. All right, here we go. Okay. I have to say, you guys got way more candy than first and second. I was trying to, you know, go careful to make sure we had enough, and then you guys got stuck with more. All right, guys, as you can see, our series title here is Moses. Um, he's the guy we're going to be talking about this whole series. We're going to be looking at his life and learning from him. And I'm going to tell you something right up front. Uh, we talked about this story two years ago in the summer. So this is going to be a very familiar story to you. Um, but we didn't continue on with Moses' life. So we had to talk about this story because this is a, a very foundational story of moving into Moses' life. So you'll recognize this story, but it's always good to be reminded of the amazing things that God did in this young man's life. All right, and we're going to be looking at his life, learning from him. And the thing that I want us to see, guys, is that Moses was just an ordinary man like you and me. Do you kids know what ordinary means? What is ordinary? Normal, that's right. It's like nothing special about it, okay? And you have to look at Moses was that. He was an ordinary man. He didn't have supernatural powers. He couldn't like, you know, kick into an incredible hulk and be super strong, or he couldn't fly, couldn't turn into a little ant man. I mean, he was just ordinary, like you and me. Um, but this Moses was used by God to do extraordinary things. Does that, you kids know what extraordinary is? Or extraordinary, I guess is the right way you pronounce it. What is extraordinary? What? Amazing or awesome, exactly. Um, it's kind of like this. Let me do this with you. Right here is a, an ordinary pumpkin, okay? Just plain old Jano, just the same one you grow in your little garden every year. It's just an ordinary pumpkin. But this next one is extraordinary, okay? This one's about, anybody grow big pumpkins like this? Third service, you're boring. First and second had like big pumpkin growers in it. You guys had none. All right, so you guys, I want you guys to yell it out. What is this? Ordinary. What about this one? Kirk took a picture of me this morning with my shirt off, so I had that. Extraordinary. I want to hear it yelled out. Okay, next one. This one. All right, boys in the crowd, what kind of car is that? Lamborghini. Good job, bud. All right, this one. Now, if you're walking along and you see this, is this ordinary or extraordinary? It's ordinary, guys. I mean, lizards are pretty cool, but they're just ordinary. If you're walking down a path and you saw this, somebody tell me, what is this? Yeah, it's extraordinary, but what is it? It's a Komodo dragon, exactly. Yeah, I wish Wisconsin had those. That'd be awesome. All right, so this whole series, we're going to be seeing how God use this ordinary man to do extraordinary things. And so let's get going. Um, last week, Pastor Jeffries set up the whole story. He laid out the whole background, and we kind of ended up where all the Israelites, the Hebrews, were down in the nation of Egypt, and they're just multiplying like crazy. There's millions of them there, so much so that the Pharaoh there, the, the king of Egypt, is looking at them and going, oh my word, they're getting so big. What if they take us over, and, and you know they join our enemies, and they conquer us? And so he decided, what we're going to do is we're going to make them our slaves, and to keep them from growing as a bigger nation, what he did is he came up with a rule that if any little baby boy was born, it had to be killed. Okay? Um, in fact, they had to throw that little baby boy into the Nile River. Can you imagine that? 
Imagine being a parent who is ready to give birth to a child, and, and there's always so much excitement around giving birth. I mean, when the, they get pregnant, like, I'm going to have a baby in nine months, and they're all excited, and as it gets closer, you know, it's four months, and three months, and two months, and one month, and, and, and you know, it gets down to the point where we're going to have this baby in a few days, and there's so much excitement about that. But imagine back then, you know, where suddenly the baby is born, and it comes out, and it's a boy. And you know the law of the land. Can you imagine just being like, oh, no. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be a girl. But it's a boy. And so they, I know, you know they're going to come in. They're going to take your baby. And they're going to um, throw it into the Nile River. And uh, I'm not sure how it all worked. I don't know if they had to report it to the Egyptian authorities. I don't know how it all happened. Scripture doesn't tell us. But one thing you can be sure is that these were things that could not be hidden. Um, when a woman is pregnant, what's going on with her stomach? There's not much room for that thing in my shirt, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. When a pregnant woman walks around, I mean, she's got a big stomach. You can't hide that. I mean, you, you can have all the clothes you want. You're going to see this thing. And so people come up to you, you guys who are pregnant, you know what it's like. They come up like, oh, you know, baby. And they're like feeling it kick and everything and, and whatnot. But then eventually the day comes where the baby is born. And what happens to this little bump? It comes out. I just had labor pains right there. It comes out. And you can't hide this. No longer do you have a bump in your stomach. It's gone. And people are going to look at you and say, hey, you had your baby, didn't you? What was it, a boy or a girl? And that's what this woman is facing, this man and wife are, are facing right now. She's giving birth to a little baby boy. And as I said, the law of the land was if you had a baby boy... You know, anybody could come in. The Egyptians could come in and take that baby boy and throw it into the Nile River. I can't even imagine what that'd be like as a parent for somebody to come into my house and take my baby to throw it into the Nile River. It would be, it would be go time. I remember uh, when my little girl was born, my firstborn, little Alice. She was five pounds, twelve ounces. She's just a little thing. She could fit in my hand. And I'm just sitting there holding her, soaking it up. And the nurse came in and she's like, I'm sorry, but I have to draw some blood from your baby. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And she takes my baby and she like grabs a foot and rips it down. I'm like, jams a needle in the heel. And I'm like, you little baby starts crying. Alice is crying. I wanted to grab that nurse and launch her out the window. <laughs> and she's doing something good for my baby. Imagine what it'd be like if somebody was hurting your baby. That's what parents had to face back then. Absolutely crazy situation to be facing. Well, let's see what happens. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now you see that statement there? When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now I don't know about you, that sounds like kind of a weird statement, doesn't it? It's like the wording's a little bit weird. It's like, you know, what does that even mean, a fine child? Did the mother look at him and go, man, he's looking fine. He's one fine child. Let's hide him for three months. Is that what happened? Well, I don't really know, but there's a passage in Hebrews that kind of words a little bit better. It says this, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, look at that statement. Why did they, by faith, hide him for three months? Because they saw that their baby boy was beautiful. Now, is it just me, or does that sound kind of weird, too? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's kind of an interesting statement because they saw that their baby was beautiful. Tell me what parents don't think their baby is beautiful. Any parent thinks their baby is beautiful. I mean, no parent's going to say, 
Holy smokes, honey, that is one ugly baby. <laughs> no parent will do that. So this statement just seems kind of weird. And plus, I mean, think about it all. In, in reality, all babies are beautiful. I mean, they're so stinking cute. We could stare at babies' faces forever. Um, everybody loves looking at babies, especially you girls. You girls love looking at little babies. I remember when I was in high school, my sister visited us, and she brought, you know, my niece, and she was just a little baby, and she came to one of my track meets. And so I scoop up the little baby, my niece, and I'm walking along, and chicks just came flocking all around me, and I'm like, hey, you know, this is my niece, you know, whatever, and they're like, oh, my word, she's so cute, Luke, and, the, and you're so good with babies, and I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's kind of the guy I am, and so it was awesome. Um, but take, take a look at that dude. <laughs> Love that guy. I know what he's going to become. But yeah, babies are cute. But if all babies are cute, then why was it such an act of faith for Moses' parents to hide him? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? What, what does being a beautiful baby have to do, it, do with it? Well, here's what I think is going on. And I may be wrong, I probably am, but here's what I think. Yes, it is true that babies are cute. Everyone would agree with that. We were looking at some pictures where that's the case. But what you don't realize is that these pictures are pictures of babies that are three to six months old. They've had a chance to get cute, okay? They aren't newborns. You see, newborns, on the other hand, aren't so cute. Can I get an amen here with somebody just being honest? They just aren't. I mean, look at, look at some of these newborns here. It's scary. It's like creepy stuff right there. I remember when my firstborn Alex was born and she came out and she had a cone head that went up like this, kind of like this, this next picture here. It was just like that. Does any of you kids have cone heads? A few of you? Yeah? I love it. Mother's always point right there. Just that one right there. But yeah, that, that's how it was. with, with and, and it freaked me out. I was, I was talking to the nurse. I'm like, uh, is my daughter deformed or, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, because I'm thinking, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. She's like, oh, no, that's completely normal. Um, give it a few days and it'll go back to just a normal shape. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know, it freaked me out. You know that the Yanomamo Indians down in the Amazon jungle of Venezuela, my dad used to work with them. When a baby was born like that cone head there, guess what they would do? They'd take the head and they would form it down to the shape that they would want. Baby was completely fine, nothing happened, but they were like, oh my word, we don't like that. And my dad said they did that every time, it's hilarious. All right. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make, guys, is that newborns can be kind of ugly. Okay, so when it says that Moses' parents hid him for three months because he was a beautiful child, then that means he was beautiful from day one from the minute he came out, which maybe this is a stretch, but it's kind of miraculous. You have to kind of think that God has specially formed this little child, Moses, in such a way that when he was born, he was absolutely, exquisitely beautiful. It's almost like when Moses was born, God divinely had given him something special that when you looked at him, the parents said to themselves, oh my word, this kid is exquisite. I mean, he's absolutely perfect. Um, and they would know they've had two other kids. So they know what newborns look like. Did you realize that that word beautiful that's used in that ver verse there is the same word that is used when, that God used when he created the earth? 
Remember when he made the earth and when he got done, it says in scripture that he saw that it was good. What he's saying is he saw that the earth was perfect and beautiful and amazing. Well, that's the same Hebrew word that's being used for this baby Moses. His parents saw that he was perfectly beautiful. So much so that they were probably like, man, God has remarkably created this little guy. God must be up to something. This little kid must have something special in store for him. And so they, by faith, hid him for three months. Now let me tell you guys, hiding a baby for three months is no easy thing. It'd be one thing if you had to hide this ball for three months. Um, You could probably do that easily. But to hide a baby is crazy hard. Kids, tell me, why is it so hard to hide a baby? Because they're noisy. That's right. They cry, and they cry, and they cry. I mean, that's the only way they communicate. They just cry and cry and cry. They cry when they pee their diaper. They cry when they poop their diaper. They cry when they don't have a diaper. They cry when they have a diaper on. They cry when they're hungry. They cry when they want to burp. They cry when their mothers are gone. They cry. They just cry all the time. And it'd be one thing to hide something that's quiet, but babies, as you, we know, are not quiet. They're loud. And they hid this baby for three months. And I wonder how many close calls they had in that process. I mean, it, it, I mean, we could go on and on talking about all these close calls. But they had to do this for three months. Now, why do you think it didn't go much longer than three months? Anybody? Have you ever thought about this? When a newborn cries, how does it sound? I mean, you can just put your hand over the mouth and it would be quiet. At three months, it's not. It's. I mean, they belt it out, and you ain't hiding that. I don't care what you do, you aren't going to be able to hide that. So it gets to the point where they can no longer hide him any longer. It's just not working anymore, so the mom decides to do something. Let's read. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. All right, so this mom gets a basket made out of papyrus, and she puts this pitch and tar. The pitch and tar is like this black stuff that they can rub on. When it dries, it becomes waterproof. And so this basket would have been waterproof. It would have been, been able to float. And she puts her baby boy into this basket, and she puts this basket into the water in the reeds alongside of the Nile River. Now, this kind of takes care of the problem of having to hide him in the house, but now there's another issue. When you have a baby in a basket in the water on the edge of the Nile, what do you need to be afraid of? Yeah, actually crocodiles. Crocodiles are over there. Alligators are here in America. But yeah, crocodiles. Here's a picture of a crocodile cruising up on the reeds. And imagine having your baby in that grass right there. See how scary that would be? That's the situation that we have here. Has anybody ever seen a crocodile before? Not an alligator, a crocodile. Have you seen a crocodile? Yeah, where were you? Ted, what? Do they really? Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Has anybody ever seen an alligator? You have, honey? Awesome. Where did you see your alligator? A zoo? Well, that's, they're there. Um, actually, in Colombia, we used to hunt alligators. Um, I never actually got one, but what we do is we get in a canoe at night in the lake, out in the middle of the jungle, and you'd shine your flashlight around, and you would suddenly see two little red eyes looking at you because they like to hide above the water. And you take your canoe and you start going in and one guy's up there with a harpoon in his hand 
and he's waiting. And as you got close, you would try to stab the, the, har, the alligator with a harpoon, and you know, you'd catch it, and that's uh, how you'd kill it. And when we'd eat, it was delicious meat that we would eat. I never actually got one, but there was this one missionary by the name of Smiley Johnson. Sweet daddy name, I love that. Smiley Johnson. He was the toughest guy you ever met. He was actually, this was his job. He was an alligator wrestler from Florida. And he became a missionary in Columbia. And he was hunting alligator one night. This is an awesome story. He comes up and he, there's this huge alligator. And he gets it and he stabs at the harpoon. He's hanging on. The thing's thrashing around. He's trying to get it into the boat. And all of a sudden the harpoon comes out. And the alligator, the alligator falls back in the water. Guess what he does? Boo! Dives in after it. Wraps his arm around it. Kills the alligator and throws it in the boat. That's just awesome. I love that story. <laughs> That same guy, I didn't tell first or second this story, so you guys are lucky. That same guy is cruising upriver in a canoe with a bunch of Indians and another missionary, and an anaconda comes out of the water, wraps itself around the canoe. Guess what he does? Everybody bails, runs for the shore. He jumps in with his knife and kills the anaconda, drags it to shore, and they have a picture of it 25 feet long holding this anaconda. That guy's a stud. I don't think I told you guys this, but I, I actually had two pet alligators when I was a little kid. We got them from a lake, and uh, they would, they're only a foot long, and they're the most boring pet that you ever could own. They just sit there. They sit there, and they'll have their mouths open. You can put your finger in their mouth, and they'll go, they'll bite down, and then you can kind of carry them like that. They'll just walk around hanging to your thing. But I got so bored with them that I decided, you know what, I'm getting rid of these dumb things, and I threw them in this pond that was close to our house. And one of them, I don't know what happened to the one, but one of them grew to be about six feet long. Got to be this big alligator. And we got so big that when the cattle would come to drink in the pond, they'd walk up and be like, mm, no, and they'd walk away. And so some Colombian went up there and killed the alligator, so my pet was put to death. It was a sad day. But uh, moms, get your kid an alligator. It'd be a lot of fun. All right, so... Um, they put this little baby in the reeds, in the Nile River, and I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. Um, it's a crazy, scary thing, and I don't know what that picture would look like. Can you imagine this mom walking up, taking her baby, three-month-old baby, perfect little baby boy, and setting him into this basket? And she probably just hugged him and squeezed and cried out to God and said, God, rescue my little boy. I don't know what's going to happen here. And she puts him into this basket and, and puts the lid on and walked away. A little bit like this picture. However, kids, can you look at this picture here and tell me there's something drastically wrong with this picture? Anybody? What's wrong with that picture? It's not even biblical. There's what? Okay, that's the daughter. That would be the daughter, so that's not the part. Anybody? They have white skin. Okay, I wasn't going that way, but yeah, there might be. There's no what? There's no pitch on the basket. There's a bad mom right here. She puts her baby and it's going to sink right to the bottom. Okay? It has no pitch on the basket. Remember that he put pitch, black pitch on the basket so that it would float. Okay? So don't be fooled by these pictures, guys. All right. So she puts her little baby in there and um, she walks away. And scripture, you know, doesn't tell us exactly what that was like. You know, she just says that she, she left the baby there. And uh, I can imagine she was just bawling. No mother could walk away from her three-month-old baby and leave it in the basket by the Nile and not be bawling. Um, but Scripture does tell us this. It says in verse 4 that his sister 
the little baby boy's sister, stood at a distance to see what would happen. What would happen to him? Now, I find that statement kind of interesting. You know, I always grew up being told that their sister was there to protect the baby. But that's not what Scripture says. It just says that she was there to see what would happen to the baby. Like, you know, they might be sitting around supper and say, well, what happened to him? Well, he floated downstream. I don't know what happened. That's just all I saw. You know, she wasn't there to protect. She just see what's happened. Well, whatever she was expecting, kids, what was about to happen would have blown her mind. Because check this out. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. So here's this, this Pharaoh's daughter. She apparently bathed in the Nile River, and she's walking alongside the river, you know, waiting to go to the bath, and she must be looking down at the river, and I don't know what she's looking for. She's probably looking like, nope, there's some crocodiles there. Nope, crocodiles there. I'm not going to bathe there. I'm not going to bathe there. And she spots the basket. Now, what does that tell you about the mom's hiding skills? Not very good. I mean, I think if I'm going to hide my baby boy, I would hide him a little better than that where you could, couldn't just spot him. Well, she spots it. She's this very observant woman. Now, how many of you guys in this room are observant? You guys think you are? Okay, did anybody observe or spot the little baby in the sanctuary that I have hidden in the sanctuary? Anybody? Raise your hands. You guys have? All right. You guys didn't see it yet? All you rife boys, you haven't seen anything. You just saw it? All right, where's the baby? On top of the drum set. Exactly. Your parents see it? If you have to, kids, you can get up on your seats and look. It's hiding right up there. It's a pretty creepy looking baby. The drummer was a little creeped out by it when he walked in. But it uh, has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to hide a baby on you so you guys could see that. But she, she spots this little baby, and she sends her slave girl down to go get it, or she spots a basket, and she opens up the basket, and there's this perfect little baby boy, and what is he doing? He's crying. And what happened to Pharaoh's daughter's heart there? It melted. And you know what? That's the truth with you ladies, isn't it? When a baby cries, you ladies are just like, oh, like, look at this picture here. See, all you ladies are like, oh. See, guys, if a man would have found that basket and opened up and saw a crying baby, he probably would have put it back and said, not my baby, you know, we'll leave it here. But not this woman. She, she sees this little crying baby, and it just melts her heart. And she realizes that this is one of the Israelites' babies, one of the Hebrew babies that should have been killed. And she knows the, the edict that her father had made, and there is just no way she's going to kill this little baby. And so she's sitting there with this crying baby, probably not knowing what to do. Well, someone comes to the rescue. Kids, can you tell me who comes to the rescue? Miriam, Moses' sister. Remember, she's standing there watching to see what's going to happen. Well, when she sees Pharaoh's daughter pick up the baby, she makes a beeline to go talk to her. So it says, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go. So Moses' sister, you know, she, she saves day. She runs back home, and I can imagine, where do you think the mom is? Betcha she's on, bed, on her bed just sobbing, having left her little baby boy. 
She's just like God, begging God to work a miracle. She's laying there. Her sister runs in. I mean, her daughter runs in and says, Mom, you're never going to believe what's going to happen. Moses is out there in the basket with a little woman who walks up and she's going to take her bath. And she grabs the basket. And she's probably singing a mile, mile words a minute. She runs. She's like, come on, Mom. So they run out there. And here's Pharaoh's daughter holding her little baby boy. Now look at what Pharaoh's daughter says to her. This is going to blow your mind. Look at this. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, I want you to take this baby and I want you to nurse him for me. Now look at that next statement. What does it say? And I will pay you. How many of you mothers would have loved to gotten paid to do be a mom? Yeah. Well, this woman gets that. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Now do you see that, kids? Do you see that white stone? Moses' parents have been hiding this little baby for three months, terrified that somebody would find him and kill him. And in desperation, as a three-month-old, they put him in a basket in the Nile River and left him, trusting in their unseen God to take care of him. And I don't know, she, she probably just walked away wondering if she'd ever see her child again. Probably thinking, there's no way I'm going to see him again. And now, here she is being told, the mom is being told by the highest level of authority, Pharaoh's own daughter, that she is to take this baby, she is supposed to nurse this baby, take care of this baby, and here, here's a bonus, I'm going to pay you for it. You're going to get paid to do this. Is that not one of the most awesome things in the world? That's God at work. Now, last week... Paul spent a long time explaining how in our life, often we don't see the bigger story going on. God is orchestrating his will out, his plan out. And often in our little ordinary lives, we don't see what he's doing. And so a lot of times we can sit in our lives and we can question, we can say, God, why? And I can imagine Moses' parents are doing this in this situation. Saying, God, I have a, have a little baby boy. And they want to kill him. They, they, they want to throw him in the Nile River. And we're begging you to rescue him, just crying out to God. And, and children are dying all around them. And it's just this horrible event. And God rescues this little baby boy. Rescues this family. And what we don't realize is that he is in the process of rescuing this entire Hebrew nation. Because that little boy, as we're going to find out, is going to be the guy who's going to come back as an adult and rescue this nation from the nation of Egypt. And it's an awesome story, but we're not there yet. This is where we're gonna end today, okay? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this story of Moses. And God, I know that many of us in our own lives, we're sitting in desperate times and we're looking around saying, God, are you even working? But God, I pray that every single one of us in this room that we might just begin to trust you in our lives to realize that in the unseen realm you are at work and we can trust you and we can learn to work along with you. God, thank you for these stories that you have, have recorded that have blessed generation after generation. And we are now the generation that are being blessed by this story. I pray that you would teach us, God, that we might learn from it and that we might be changed from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have a great week. Um, if anybody would like to be prayed for, Linda would love to do that with you right now. Otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday. Stay cool.